Silence and Answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Many times you hear a message that just blesses your heart, and today may be one of those times for you. Pat Zucran has had the opportunity to speak here locally in Hawaii and across the nation. Well, today he will share a wonderful message about sharing our blessed hope. If you're unable to hear the entire study, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat with today's study. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. We'll be going through verses 13 through 18 today. I want to thank many of you who serve alongside my work and my calling with God with evidence and answers. As Pastor John mentioned, I actually follow Pastor John in the morning every day at 930 so you don't just get half an hour of great teaching, hopefully you get one hour. Good tag team here. We've got a great Israel trip coming in September, Japan Martyrs Tour in November, so a lot going on with Evidence and Answers. We invite you to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, and join in on the fun. In his book, A Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, who spent years in the horrors of the Nazi concentration camp, stated that the loss of hope is one of the most catastrophic, deadly things that can happen to a man or a woman. As a result of his experience in the Nazi concentration camps, he saw that when men and women no longer possess a hope for living, no future hope to look forward to, they simply curl up in the corner and die. Any attempt to restore a man or woman's inner strength in the camp, he wrote, had to first succeed in showing him that there is some future hope. Hope is one of the most powerful forces in the lives of men and women. And where there is no faith in the future, there is no power for living in the present. Hey, remember that. Where there's no faith or future hope, then there is no power for living in the present. The ability to face and overcome life's most difficult circumstances, whether you're battling some disease or the loss of a loved one, or going through tremendous relational struggles, whatever it may be. The power to endure and overcome life's most difficult circumstances comes from the power of hope. However, for that hope to be meaningful at all, it must first be true. Okay? It can't be some kind of pipe dream. It's got to be indestructible. It's got to be everlasting, and it can never be taken away. And believers in Jesus Christ today can live with power to face the toughest of circumstances because we have a hope that's unlike any other. No ideology, no other philosophical system, no other religion can come near the message of hope believers in Jesus Christ have today. And Paul speaks of this hope in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We begin in verse 13. He states, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. All people grieve at the loss of a loved one. As Christians, we are not exempt from the grief and pain of losing a loved one. But how we mourn is different from those who do not have Christ. We grieve, but behind our grief is an everlasting, a joyous hope that one day, we will see Christ again, and one day we'll see one another again. 
And this time, we'll never say the words goodbye. What hope do the other worldview or systems of belief offer? Well, for the atheist, extinction. One day the universe is going to expand and run out of energy and the universe is going to die. But as the universe, so mankind will one day cease to exist. And one day, you and I will die never ever to exist again. Complete annihilation. That is it. The universe is an accident. Hey, it just exploded into me. There's no reason and purpose for the universe's existence and one day it's going to die. Thus, you and I are accidents and ultimately we're going to die. And every great atheist and every atheist who thinks through his position comes to understand life is ultimately without meaning, without hope, ultimately without purpose. We live for a brief moment in this universe and we're gone. I can quote atheist after atheist after atheist on this. Dr. Will Provine, professor at Cornell University, stated that if Darwinism is true, ultimately means there's no God. If there's no God, no life after death, no absolute foundation for right and wrong, no ultimate meaning for life, no free will. What does the atheist have to look forward to? Complete extinction. What kind of message of hope is that? What about Hinduism? Well, Hinduism teaches that we go through an endless cycle of reincarnations. We keep coming back to this earth to suffer again and again and again. And the ultimate hope is that we would escape this cycle of reincarnation and be absorbed into the one, okay, Brahman. Your individuality is an illusion. Okay? It's an illusion. Your goal is non-personhood, to be part of the impersonal one of the universe, the impersonal essence of the universe. All right, so as a Hindu, your hope is not to exist in an eternal state as John and Mary and Fred. No, to just be absorbed into the one. As a drop of water goes into the ocean, you don't see little drops in the ocean. It's just one mass ocean. That's what we're going to become. Okay? Just impersonal. We absorbed into the impersonal Brahman, the impersonal one, the essence of the universe. No consciousness, just absorbed into the one. What does Buddhism teach? Well, Buddhism teaches that we're in an endless cycle of rebirth. We come back to this world only to suffer again and again. Buddha said in the Four Noble Truths, to exist means to suffer. So you don't want to keep coming back here. Right? Hinduism and Buddhism, rebirth or reincarnation is a bad thing. Your goal in Buddhism is what? Not to be reborn. Nirvana. What is nirvana? It means the extinguishing out, the blowing out of a candle. To cease to exist. No sensation. No thinking. No personhood. The ceasing of all. That is nirvana. What message of hope do these worldviews and ideologies provide? That is the message there. Okay? You go to these funerals, that is the ultimate message. As you can see, the Bible offers a very unique, joyful, and exciting hope that no other worldview, no other ideology can offer. All right? Islam says for men, they get to go to paradise and have their virgins, 40 for good men, 70 for martyrs, having sexual relations with them for all of eternity, drinking wine, eating fruits, they're enjoying okay, the lustful pleasures okay, of, quote, paradise. Well, what does Christianity offer? Eternal life with Jesus Christ and eternal life with one another. We grieve, but our temporary pain behind that is, a, is joy because we have a unique, powerful, and exciting hope that one day we will be with the Lord face to face and we will meet 
one another again, never saying the words goodbye ever again. That is an incredibly powerful hope that no other worldview, no other ideology has to offer. So our life application is this. Every believer should come to understand the uniqueness of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's an exciting thing to look forward to that can never be taken away, never will be destroyed, never come to an end. It's a unique hope. No other ideology or world religion can possibly come close to and offer. If we understand that, we have a powerful message to bring to a world so in search and in need of the message of hope. Well, is this simply a pipe dream? Is this simply wishful thinking? Is there any substance to this hope that we build our future upon? Well, the basis of our hope is revealed in the next verse by Paul. He states this, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Our hope of eternal life and the resurrection of the dead is not simply a wish. It is based on the historic person and the historic event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ is one of the best attested to ancient historical events in all of history. The evidence is compelling. And from the evidence we have, we can build a very powerful case that Jesus Christ was a real historic person and that the resurrection is a historical event. I have debated this issue on radio and around the world, but my professors, who are far more scholared and much more smarter than I, who've debated the top atheists and those of other world religions out there all over the world, have debated them, and the evidence for the resurrection has never been beat. In fact, two of the top men, two of the top scholars on the resurrection who have debated the top atheists, over a hundred all over the world, and one hands down. Dr. William Lane Craig, Gary Habermas, spoke right here at Kalihi Union. Dr. William Lane Craig, four years ago. Dr. Gary Habermas, two years ago here. Hope you had a chance to hear them, but the evidence for the resurrection has never been beat. And Paul says, as certain as the resurrection, we can be sure that Jesus will return and raise those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is the only man who prophesied his own death and resurrection and accomplished it. And if he accomplished that, is it any problem for him to come back for those who have fallen asleep and to resurrect them from the dead to eternal life? Other religions believe in some kind of life after death. But the difference is that they only have a hope. There's no substance or evidence to support that hope. You know, when I go to Hindu or Buddhist or whatever funerals here and around the world, one thing I ask folks, now I don't be mean about it, I just ask nicely, how do you know that we're in an endless cycle of rebirth until we're nirvana? Nothing there. How do you actually know? How do you know that when you die, that's it? Extinction? How do you know there's nothing beyond the grave? Well, no one can give you an answer. The only way someone can really give you a substantive answer is you need someone to die for an extended period of time, demonstrate authority over death, and come back and tell you about it. Well, there's only one person that's ever done it, okay? and that's Jesus Christ. So Christians, we have a hope based on a historic person and a historic event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's why we know this is not simply just a pipe dream. 
This is something as certain as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In a debate I had with a famous atheist on the radio, Luke, he's one of the most popular on the website and on the radio, he asked me the question, he said, if God exists, why are there hundreds of people born with all kinds of birth defects who suffer and live meaningless lives and die? Why is that? And I said, Luke, what message of hope do you have to offer them as an atheist? Here's your message. Your message, you're an accident. The universe is an accident. You're simply an accident. Too bad you're born with all these defects. You're going to suffer and live a meaningless life and be extinct forever and ever and ever. That's the message you have to give them, Luke. What kind of message is that? And he said, well, what message do you have to give? And I said, well, first of all, who says those who are born with some kind of physical defect live meaningless lives? I said, I know many people with uh, physical defects, mental defects, who live tremendously powerful lives. I learn more from them than I do people who are physically gifted and beautiful. I learn more from Johnny Erickson Tata, Nick Vujicic, some friends that I have whose children are mentally handicapped. Man, I learn more from them and what it means to live and to persevere and courage to face the future from them often more than I do from, you know, the rest of us who are living normal lives. And we have a message of hope. One day, when it's all said and done, you're going to rest in your heavenly home. You'll receive that new resurrection body in glory and it'll be 100% working and more in glory for all of eternity. I said, that's a powerful message of hope that we Christians have that atheism can never come close to or offer or no other worldview or ideology. So he sat on the phone and he went, hum. And he said, well, how do you know that's not just a pipe dream? How do you know it's not fantasy? False hope is a dangerous thing and that's what you Christians give. And I said, I know this is not just fantasy because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, how do you know that's true? I said, I thought you'd never ask. And we went through the evidence for the resurrection. So as Christians, the hope that we have, it's not a pipe dream, Paul says. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as certain as the resurrection is. So is our hope of everlasting life with Christ and with those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So our life application is this. Not only do we need to know the uniqueness of our hope, but we should know the basis of our hope, why we believe what we believe, and to present a powerful case to our unbelieving friends and family who ask us. That's commanded of us in the Bible. When Christians are asked, well, how do you know it's true? Why do you believe? Peter says to present powerful reasons and evidence for why we believe. That's commanded of all Christians. Well, Paul declares our unique hope he presents the basis of our hope in a powerful apologetics kind of arguments in many of his books, including 1 Thessalonians. And now he spells out that hope for us. What is that hope? Well, he spells it out. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of a command with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Paul spells out our hope here. He said the Lord Jesus himself will come down from heaven. Jesus said in John 14, In my Father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you. 
If it were not so, I would not have told you. He said, if I go there to prepare a place for you one day, I will come and take you there myself. The coming of Christ is described here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Lord Jesus himself will be coming for those who have trusted and live for Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it says, with the shout of the archangel, one of the, there are levels of angels in heaven. One of the archangels is going to give a tremendous shout. There will be the blowing of the trumpet of God. And the text says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 16. What does that mean? Well, when we die, our immaterial essence, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our emotions, go immediately to be with the Lord in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 8. To be uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the body remains in the grave. Well, one day, the body will be resurrected into its full glory to unite with our soul and spirit there. So the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then it says, we who are alive will be transformed to glory. It says, we who are alive will be caught up together. The word caught up there, it's the Greek word harpazo. Now, according to the complete word study dictionary of the New Testament, this word harpazo means to seize upon with force to rob. It denotes an open act of violence, of a violent, sudden snatching away. It is used to mean to forcibly to seize upon, snatch away, to take for oneself. And it's used that way throughout the New Testament. And it's especially used of this event called the rapture. It's a sudden, violent, sudden snatching away of God's people. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, Paul says this event will happen in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Suddenly, okay, we don't know when this event is going to take place. Christ is coming for his church in the great harpazo, the sudden snatching away. We call this the rapture. When the dead in Christ are resurrected and glorified and they're raised and then there will be a generation. Perhaps it's our generation. Perhaps the next ones to come, we don't know, who will not experience physical death, but in the twinkling of an eye will suddenly be transformed to glory and will be united with the Lord and those who know Christ of all generations forever and ever. When will this event take place? Well, we don't know. Christ said, uh, no one knows the time or the hour. All right, so beware of those who predict dates. But there's several things to be aware of as you're watching events unfold today in the news. First, the formation of Israel. It's prophesied in Ezekiel 36 and 37 that Israel will be scattered and dispersed throughout all the nations of the world. But one day, right, the famous Valley of the Dry Bones, they are coming back. And in Ezekiel's vision, the body and the bones come back, but there's no life in them. In other words, the nation of Israel will be scattered throughout the world, and one day they will be coming back, but in a state of unbelief. Well, in 1948, something exciting happened. After almost 2,000 years, the nation of Israel returned back to their homeland. No nation in the world, in the history of the world, has ever been able to maintain its national existence after having been removed from her national homeland for nearly two millennia. The Jews will be gathered in a state of unbelief. 
What do you see today when you go to Israel? They're a very secular nation over there. But one day, spiritual revival will be coming. The formation of Israel after almost two millennia is a significant thing that perhaps His coming is soon. The city of Jerusalem. You cannot turn on the TV one day and not hear something about Jerusalem. It's mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. It's the city of God. And the Bible teaches that at the end times, Israel and Jerusalem will dominate the headlines of world events. One of the reasons is that Isaiah chapter 2 and the prophets teach that one day the Messiah shall rule the world in his everlasting kingdom from the city of Jerusalem sitting on David's throne. But Satan wants to usurp that. So until then, he would like to destroy the city of God's future rule or hijack that throne. Zechariah chapter 12 speaks of great battles that will occur in and around the city of Jerusalem. And so the stage is being set. The nations of the world are driven with the desire to possess the city. Next, the increasing tension in the Middle East and the rise of Islam. Are we hearing a lot about the Middle East today? Are you hearing a lot about Islam? Yeah. Well, the Antichrist spirit is evident in Middle Eastern religions like Islam. Islam rejects key biblical doctrines as the unpardonable sin of shirk or blasphemy worthy of death. Key doctrines the Bible teaches, such as Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God who died and rose again. Those basic doctrines are rejected as blasphemy. And if you study Islamic eschatology, it calls for the destruction of the nation of Israel in order that the Mahdi, okay, the Islamic Messiah, will rise from his place of hiding in the well. There, in, some believe, in Samara, Iraq. And throughout our history, radical groups like Hamas, Hezbollah, the PLO, were created for the sole purpose of the destruction of the nation of Israel. And nations have sought to, in many coalitions, sought to destroy this nation. Well, Ezekiel 38-39 speak of a Middle Eastern coalition led by the Russian Empire to destroy the nation of Israel. Are we hearing a lot about some of these countries mentioned in Ezekiel 38? Russia, Iran, okay, you're hearing a lot about some of those countries? Perhaps his return is near. The unification of Europe, spoken of in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, speaks of the rise of the old Roman Empire, unifying to become the dominant empire of the end times. Europe has always been at war. Many skeptics believe that Europe could never come together in some kind of union. Well, Daniel describes it in Daniel chapter 2. He describes it as a joining of iron mixed with clay. It's going to be a volatile kind of coalition. But we see today something significant. 28 nations of Europe have joined what's called the European Union. The euro currency is used every day by some 330 million people in Europe. It's one of the most tangible proof that cooperation is happening between the European Union countries. Then we have the growing apostasy. Christ and the apostles taught us that as the return of Christ comes near, There'll be more false teachers out there than you can shake a stick at. And that's what we're seeing today. You know, Christianity, due to its phenomenal growth, has always struggled with apostate tendencies throughout history. But Paul and Jesus speak of a particular time when there will be a significant departure 
from sound biblical teaching. And this apostasy will be the climax of all previous apostate movements and will be worldwide in scope. Well, today we have denominations that deny the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. We have denominations ordaining homosexual pastors and performing alternative marriages. We have denominations denying the death, deity, and resurrection of Christ. There are denominations that teach everyone goes to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe. Best-selling books out there like Rob Bell's Love Wins that swept through the Christian churches like a storm, teaching everybody gets to heaven. We're seeing a growing movement of false teaching, and it's going to continue to grow as we get closer to the return of Christ. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available for you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Join us next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Right